0: I am a hurricane wimp. I just need to tell you that. I just, I don't like hurricanes. I don't think I uh, realized what hurricanes could do at all until I moved to the state of Florida. We moved in 92. And if you remember in 1992, those of you who are that old, uh, Hurricane Andrew came through uh, southern Florida, didn't really touch Orlando area where where we obviously were. But uh, I heard stories and I saw pictures and I thought, you know, these are serious things. So when uh, ever a hurricane comes close to where we are or comes close to Florida, I I track it. I track it usually every hour and uh, wanna see where it's going. And and I I go into this sort of denial. Oh, it's not gonna come close to us. We don't have to worry about it. I will make that statement. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'll just make the statement because it sounds like I might be right and, and maybe I could just sort of talk it away. Matthew, however, you noticed it it, would stay, it it originally was supposed to stay out in, in the Atlantic further, and then it just edged its way closer and closer and closer to uh, our uh, shore, uh, and, and I saw it was getting closer to Orlando until uh, Thursday morning, October 6th. I got up early, 5 o'clock. I wanted to see what the 5 o'clock reading was, and I saw that it was going to hit right at Cocoa, and I was I, I was terrified. I just have to. I just have to tell you, I was. I, I was frightened. Uh, five thirty. Waited until five thirty. I went up to where my wife was sleeping, and uh, I, I went to the side of her bed, and I said, "Renee, wake up." And I never wake my wife up. That's that's the rule. Okay, it's a very serious. And uh, so, I said, "Renee, wake up." She said, "Honey, what's wrong?" I said, "We have to leave Orlando." She said, what? I said, we've got to go somewhere. She said, where are we going to go? I said, I don't know. <laughs> we just have to go. I, I I am a hurricane wimp. I just am. And and she smiled and said, no, honey, I think we're going to be okay. And I said, all right, but I, I'm just worried about this. So we hadn't prepared at all. We uh, went to, to Publix later that day and Publix had been pretty much uh, uh, cleaned out of some things that were necessary for, for hurricane survival. But Renee was able to come away with a loaf of bread, our survival loaf of bread, and a jar of peanut butter, which I thought was uh, pretty clever. And we we filled our bathtubs. We have two bathtubs. We fill both with water. I don't know why we do that, but it just was something to do. So there it is. The bread that she got, I noticed later on as I was making a peanut butter sandwich, my hurricane survival mode, was a bread we'd never bought before. It was called Dave's. Dave's Bread, And there was, a, uh, there was a sort of a hippie on, on, on the bread label playing an electric guitar. I mean, good-looking hippie. I'm not being critical. Uh, but, but it was Dave's bread. But the middle, the middle word in, in, uh, in that advertisement was Dave's killer bread. not that great for hurricane survival? I'm looking at that. That's Dave's killer bread. Great. Here's why I'm a hurricane wimp. I've seen what wind can do. And I've seen what strong wind can do. And it's not fun. It's not fun to be a part of. In this past year, we haven't just seen what damaging wind can do. We, we've seen what damaging words can do. And we have lived and, I, and, and experienced a, uh, an election season like I've never seen before in terms of things said and, and uh, accusations made. And I, I have to tell you, frankly, it's, it's saddening to me. My uh, good friend Chris Willard uh, sent me something today that I th- just thought was very uh, poignant and uh, speaking to, to our times. And uh, it's a it's a quote from a book by C.S. Lewis that he wrote in 1942 called Screw Tape Letters. And Screwtape Letters is, is just a fantastic book. It's a, it's 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 a fictional book, but it's it's the correspondence between two demons. Uh, a, a head demon by the name of Screwtape and his, his junior by the name of Wormwood. And Wormwood, this demon is assigned to a believer and he, his, his job is to tempt him and to keep him from growing spiritually. And here's one of the excerpts of this, this book. My dear Wormwood, Screwtape writes, be sure that the patient, our believer, remains completely fixated on politics. Arguments, political gossip, and obsessing on the faults of people they have never met serves as an excellent distraction from advancing its personal virtue, character, and the things the patient can control. Make sure to keep the patient in a constant state of angst, frustration, and general disdain toward the rest of the human race in order to avoid any kind of charity or inner peace from further developing. Ensure the patient continues to believe that the problem is out there in the broken system rather than recognizing there is a problem with himself. Keep up the good work, Uncle Screwtape. I thought those were good words for me, and hopefully there they will be good words for you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not advocating we put our heads in the sand in terms of the direction of our country, but I believe we need to turn them in the direction that God wants us to go. And that's what I want us to spend our time today discussing. Where does God really want us to go? Where's our safe place emotionally, relationally, spiritually? We want this church. I want this church. I think all of us want this church to be a safe place for us to be. So Peter, in his uh, epistle to the believers, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, He states this, he said, you, you believers also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's sort of an interesting metaphor, but it's used quite a bit in in scripture, that the church is likened to a building, a temple. And of course, in that culture, temples were, were edifices built for the worship of, of, of gods. And the temple in Jerusalem was the, was the place where the Ark of the Covenant one, was and where God resided. But Peter's now saying that we actually are the living stones. We're the ones that are being built up together. So instead of tearing down, we are called to build up. So we're in a, in a series that's focusing specifically on community, and these last weeks, we've looked at our corporate uh, call to confession, where we're called to confess our faith and confess our faults. Last week, we talked about service and what service means and, and the implications of that and, and, and how we are called to serve a wide variety of people for the purpose of, of communicating who Christ is to, to the people around us. This week, we're going to consider what we need as a body of believers to help us mature spiritually. We'll look at the call given to us as Christians, each of us. There is a call given to us as individuals to build each other up. And scripture refers to this process as edification, building each other up. So if you have your Bibles turned to Ephesians 4 or pull your bulletins out, uh, there's a passage there that I want us to look at uh, when it comes to this whole idea of building up, uh, beginning with verse Eleven. Actually, I'm going to read verse seven and then skip down to eleven. But to each one of us, verse seven, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Down to verse eleven. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip His people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of God. So Paul, as he's, as he's encouraging the church, he, he uses another metaphor, uh, a second metaphor. You've got the metaphor of, of a building being built together. Here, here he uses the, the metaphor of a body, a body being joined together. Fingers and arms and, and, and legs and torso, with Christ being the head. And he says, We are, we are called together uh, in, in verse 11, so that the body of Christ may be built up, uh, may be edified. And, and the Greek word there is oikodomen, and, and it's a combination of two words oikos, house, and doma, the dome or, or the top of the house, the rooftop and and the the picture there is that 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 uh, this building is being built up to completion that there there's there's this building process going to completion when we moved to florida we we moved in, into a development and and it was one of those developments where you'd have different homes that you could build you'd 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 pick out your lot and and there would be different models that you could pick from. We picked a model, and, and we said, this is what we would like to have built on our lot. And, and we came down, and, and the home wasn't built yet. We, we lived the next development over, but we would come. I'd come every day a lot of times to see this, this home being built. You know, they poured the slab. Uh, they, they put up the concrete block walls. And, and uh, it, was, it was fascinating to watch. I, I, I can't use my hands very... I'm not very handy, but I love watching it. And it was over with the... Uh, the uh, construction manager one day and, and uh, the, the walls were up and, and then they were, they were starting to put the trusses on uh, for the roof and, and I was looking at uh, the, the top of the, the block where the block ended and, and, and the uh, trusses were being attached. There are these metal strips all along that wall. There's these thin metal strips that came up. And I, and I looked at him, I said, what are those? And, and uh, he said, oh, those, those are the hurricane straps. I go, really, what, what does that mean? He says, well, when they put the truss on, they, they will take those, those straps and they will uh, fasten them around uh, the trusses. And I said, well, what does that do? And he, he smiled and he said, when a hurricane comes, it keeps your roof from blowing off, which I thought was a pretty good deal, right? It was their way of ensuring that that, that house would be safe in the middle of a storm. This word means to build up or build up to completion. This is, this is a different but no less descriptive metaphor for the church, this, this whole idea of, of, of being a body. So that Paul here encourages the church to use their own gifting in such a way as to complete one another. And he lists, first of all, these offices. And I read them for you. He lists apostles. And prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers; those are the offices that he that he talks about. People who were given gifts, spiritual gifts, to enable him them to carry out these offices. Apostles were uh, many. Most scholars feel the the men who were able to be with Jesus and to see him and, and, and to be in his ministry. And they were the ones, the disciples became the apostles who went out to share the good news to, to the world around them as, as Jesus commissioned them. Prophets weren't so much predictors of the future, but they were, they were people who could speak to their time and, and communicate what, what uh, God wanted them to hear to the culture in which they lived. Apostles, prophets, evangelists—of course, were ones who shared the good news gladly, and, and, and had great results doing it. Uh, evangelists, pastors, uh, shepherds that that would watch over the, the the churches and give leadership, and then teachers, teachers who would be able to teach the word. Those were those were the offices. Paul also in New Testament uh, has two other main passages where he talks about the, these 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 giftings that are given, in Romans chapter twelve. Uh, there, there's, there's a list there. I'm not going to read the list. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, what's contained in that list. But as Paul gives the, the list of the spiritual gifts in this passage, he says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. In that Romans passage, he he lists, that there are more activities, not so much the office, but the activities. He lists these activities, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging. There's the activity of giving, of leading, and of showing mercy. Those are the ones he lists, a different list from the one in Ephesians. Then over in 1 Corinthians 12 is another list, and and these, these focus more on abilities, offices, activities, And then abilities are are, are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. Wisdom, knowledge, the gift of faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, discerning spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And then there's a list of offices a little bit different than Ephesians chapter 4. I don't have time to go into, I wish I did, to go into the definition of all those gifts, gifts, but they're, they're... Things that I think we need to be aware of as we talk about community and as we talk about how how we interact with each other in in terms of how it relates to these spiritual gifts and our own gifting. So, let me just say a few things about spiritual gifts. First of all, this they're energized by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the, the ability to have these gifts. Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, all God. He came, Jesus said, to to give testimony and to remind us of who he is and and to give us the power to live the kind of lives that we've been called to to live as Christians. So they're energized by the Holy Spirit. They are spiritual in nature. They are supernatural when they are used, but they're not superpowers. People think that, that spiritual gifts are like superpowers. Not superpowers, really, but they are supernatural. So the effort to give, God, God gives lift to those, and the, and the results are, are greater than, than, than the energy sometimes that goes into it. These gifts are given to all believers. Every one of you sitting here in this room and, and, and in our campuses and, and 33rd Street, every one of you, if you are a believer in Jesus, has at least one spiritual gift, and probably more than one, that the Holy Spirit energizes in you and gives you the opportunity to use. They're meant to be used corporately, not individually, obviously, and they speak to all aspects of the church's call. As you see these abilities and, and these activities being listed, uh, this is what the church was about, and this is what, what they did when they were together. Most scholars believe, too, that, that their gifts aren't just restic- restricted to these listings because these lists are different and they're all written by the same man, the Apostle Paul wrote them. Uh, those gifts probably are, are, are not complete. There are probably other gifts that, that are also there as well, just not recorded in these passages. And they are given, I love the Ephesians passage, with, with a view to attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So if you're here for Vision Sunday, John Parker used that text to encourage us as a congregation. That's why we are given gifts, so we could, uh, we could help the world understand who Jesus is, in, 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 as as completely as possible. So when you use a, a spiritual gift, the emphasis isn't on the gift. A lot of times people go, "Oh, what's my gift?" You know, you know what, what, how's God gifted me? The, the emphasis needs to be on the fact that it is spiritual in nature. That God energizes this, and it's and it's for a spiritual purpose. So they're more than talents or, or special abilities. They're energized, directed, and fruit-producing by the power of the spirit. And I need to add, they're usually not real flamboyant or dramatic. They usually, they usually are gifts that you would just see, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's what this person is doing. But they are energized by the spirit as, as they're being used. There are a lot of people in my life where I've seen their, their gifting... But uh, one of the people that early, early on in my life, I, my parents uh, took me uh, one week, and I don't know how they, they managed to do it, but it was in middle school, but we had a Wednesday evening service in our church. And uh, there was uh, a breakout uh, uh, meeting for younger people who would attend that service. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a lot of people there. In fact, there weren't a lot of people there that night because I was the only youth there. I was the only one. And uh, so I thought, well, they're not going to do anything, but they asked me to go to another room. And uh, the, the man who was teaching that evening was, was a man by the name of William Wood. I'll never forget him. He was a uh, teacher uh, in high, sco- uh, high school, Sylvania High School. He was a chemistry teacher. Uh, he'd been there for several years, and uh, he was my teacher. I was the only one in the class. And, and the only time I felt like that in my life... Uh, other than that time, was when I was the only person on a commuter flight from Cleveland to Toledo. The only person on the flight. And the pilot had to give me the the safety instructions. You had to pay attention, right? You're not going to be looking around, messing around if you're the only one on the flight. So that's the way I felt that night. What am I going to do? I can't be distracted. I'll never forget. He went through Psalm 139, and William Wood took me through the, the attributes of God, his omniscience, his omnipresence, and his omnipotence. And I, I mean, I, it's the first time I've ever really just been overwhelmed by, by the depth of Scripture. It was him using his spiritual gift. Another woman, years later, we were in Massachusetts, Mary Lou McElmurray. And Mary Lou was, was a woman who had the gift of mercy. She just had it. And whenever someone was in need in our church, Mary Lou was always there. She's always there with, to, to meet the need, always there to give an encouraging word. Uh, she exuded mercy. And when she would, would give you that sympathetic gesture or, or do something that was merciful, you knew that, that that was being energized by the Spirit. So in order to exercise these gifts, there are three things that are non-negotiable. If you're going to exercise these gifts, you need three things. First of all, you need to get together. You need to gather. Hebrews ten twenty four. Zach used this text a few weeks ago, and, and uh, I'm going to use it again next week. It's it's a, it's a good one. It's it's full of of, of a lot of different things. Uh, the the author writes, and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another to use your gifts. You have to be with other people. You just do. They're not meant to be used alone. And I mentioned a couple weeks ago Andy Stanley's uh, phrase, circles are better than rows. So this is, this is where being with, with believers, where we can communicate uh, is a great place. you have got to be able to gather together to use these gifts. And when you're together, then there needs to be a gift exchange. There's a relational process to exercising your spiritual gift. My tradition every Christmas has tried to be, I, I've tried to give my wife a special gift every Christmas. That's sort of run out of steam as, as uh, uh, we've been married over the years, but uh, I, I tried to do it. And I really, I thought I did a great job. This is, I know that's a little proud to say, but, but I, I one Christmas I thought, she has no idea what's coming. And I remember I just was so tickled that I, that I got her this gift. I told her, I said, you're gonna get a gift that you just, you could guess from now till the cows come home and you will not guess what it is. And she would guess, and I'd say, No, not even close. And, and uh, she said, I, I have no idea. I said, you, you, you won't even begin to guess. So Christmas morning came. I think we were headed somewhere else, but, but, but we, were, we were alone. And I said, I'm going to give you your special gift now. And I got this, there was, it was heavy, it was in a bigger box. I wrapped it up, and I plopped it down. She looked at it, she was puzzled. She goes, What in the world is this? She tore the pet wrapper off, and she said, what have you done? You know what I got her? I got her a bowling ball. <laughs> is that just not the best gift ever? And, and she was at a place where she uh, uh, could, could do bowling, and uh, I said, this, this is my gift to you, and I got her bowling shoes to go along with that. And and in order to to make that gift really meaningful, I got myself a bowling ball, too, and I showed her mine and my own shoes. My bowling ball is red, and it's called the hammer. And and every Saturday morning that we can, we we get the bowling ball and shoes in the car, and we drive off to a Loma Bowl, and, and we bowl three lines together, and we just have a good old time. Now, here's why that gift is so much fun. We do have a good time bowling. It's because we get to do it together. The best gifts are the ones that you can enjoy with others. Are they not? You and I are called to use our spiritual gifts in the context of church with, with, with other believers. And that leads us to deeper relationships with each other. So we gather, we do a gift exchange, and we give back. The exercise of our spiritual gifts always culminates in works of service. It's the growth of the body to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. One of the best examples I can give you, and uh, uh, it's, it's something that's been particularly meaningful to me. Every Wednesday over in our church offices at 1.30, our teach team gets together. And we do, we do sermons a little bit different here at, at Summit in terms of the preparation. And uh, when we were putting together the, the, the teach team, we were thinking, what's, what's the best way to, to uh, deliver sermons with excellence? So what, what the presenters do, the ones presenting that weekend, we will give our sermons to the teach team. There, there, there's a group of people we meet in a conference room. And uh, like I did last Wednesday, I, I got one of these stands and I got this message and I presented it to the teach team. And uh, it's timed. I mean, we do it. It's not, not talk through. We, we actually present it. And uh, it's timed. And at the end of, of, of the message, then each person of that team will go around and they'll, they'll, they'll uh, give comments on, on the sermon. And you know what I found? It's very interesting. Uh, the, each person has, has particular gifting that, that sort of pops to the surface over time. Jeff Kern, who's part of our leadership team, he's got the gift of leadership and administration, when he gives comments on the message, it's comments concerning uh, the the whole uh, idea of who we are as a church and where we're going as a church and making sure that we're lined up that way. It's a a wonderful gift. Sam Orocho, OJ Aldridge, our campus pastors at, at Waterford and Lake Mary, uh, I love, I love OJ when, uh, sitting in that because OJ will always look me in the eye and he'll always smile at me. You ever, speaking to a small group of, of people in a small room sometimes can be a little intimidating. He smiles and nods. So that's encouraging, right? And Sam, Sam's great because Sam's the only one who goes, mm, mm-hmm, mm, mm-hmm. That's encouraging. They have the gift of encouragement. They do. And as they, give, as they comment on and give input on the sermon, there's always this encouragement around it. They're, they're excellent in terms of what they do that way. Gary Abbott. Uh, Gary uh, is the smartest one in the room. I just want to say that. Gary's knowledge is, is more than any, anyone else in the room. He just has that knowledge. And when Gary speaks, Gary talks through things and, and, and has truths to say that that... Sometimes I've never considered before. And it's always insightful. And it's always appreciated. Tracy Beeson, our, our, our family uh, ministry pastor, and Tim Burkholder and Lindsay Coates. Tim and Lindsay are uh, our staff that, that we have ministering at 33rd Street. Uh, they have the gift of discernment. And when they comment on the message, uh, Tracy always thinks about the younger. Uh, ears that are listening in the audience, and we'll give that. And and Tim and Lindsay think through the sermon based on how it'll be received by those at Thirty Third Street. They they have the gift of discernment, and it's it's always valuable. Kaylee Newkirk, you've heard Kaylee teach. When Kay, when Kaylee comments, Kaylee has the most beautiful gift of teaching, and she always has something winsome to say and something good to say in terms of bringing out truths a little bit more. Zach Van Dyke, who obviously has the gift of teaching. Also, when he, when he speaks and gives comments, it's, it's because he's got the heart of evangelists, he's always thinking about the new person who's coming in. He's always thinking about the ears that are going to hear this in a fresh way. And he always has good things to say there. Andy Simons, you know Andy. Uh, many of you in terms of... Uh, Of leading worship, but I will tell you, Andy is a very wise man, and he he's got the gift of prophecy. Andy, when he speaks, will speak to the times, and and he will say, "Hey, this is this is this is what we're going through as a church or or as a culture," and he wants to make sure that we're speaking to the times. Very very helpful. And John Parker, our lead pastor, it's sort of the way it works. He's always the last one to speak. We always sort of wait for John to finish. And John just has wise things to say. John, John will always come through with, okay, here's, here's, here's the, uh, here's the things that we need to communicate. John has the gift of wisdom. So that's that's our teach team. And some of you are thinking, well, that's a lot of input. So this sermon is the best you can do, right? <laughs> huh? And well, all I have to say about that, you, you should have heard it before. Teach team, all right? <laughs> right? It's the body. It works together. It's people, men and women, using their gifts. It's what we're called to do. This isn't just some prosaic list in an ancient document saying, oh, this is, these are sort of nice things. These are living, active gifts of the Holy Spirit working in us so we can build each other up. God has given every believer gifts to build others up, to edify the church. And when we use them together, the sum of our corporate efforts is and will be far greater than the individual parts. Let me repeat that last statement. When we use them together, the sum of our corporate efforts is and will be far greater than the individual parts. So application, I've got a really specific application every week the past three weeks. Here's your application. In your bulletins, uh, the second line in, in the front of your bulletin is a website. And it's a, it's a website that will take you to a spiritual gifts test. Uh, and all tests are, are sort of similar. It's not like a personality test. But it'll, it, as you go through this, it will give you maybe some of the, some of the leanings that you have in terms of things that you might, uh, might be gifted in. And uh, as you take that test, it will give you sort of the, maybe the top five things that, that God might have, have for you to do in terms of building up the body. You all have gifts. And what we would like you to do, those of you who are in connect groups, uh, we've, got, we've got a curriculum. So as you take that test, go to your connect groups and then begin to share. Hey, these, these, are, these are the indications I have from this test talk through what they are, help, help each other define them, and then go from there. And if you're not in a connect group, Dan Shurfield, one of our staff, contact him. He'll make sure you get with a group or, or have someone to follow through in terms of what those gifts are. You all have gifts. You do. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have gifts. And we're called to use them for building up, each other up just a couple more words in terms of, you know, once you take that test, you go, well, that's just me saying that. Here, here are some things that you can factor in in terms of, hey, are these indeed gifts? First of all, do you have a passion in that area? Is this something you're passionate about? I had a period in my time where I didn't do any speaking at all. In fact, I thought I was done with speaking. I'd, I'd done conferences and all sorts of events and, and, uh, <laughs> church sermons, and, and I've gone, oh, you know, I'm sort of tired. But after a while, as I began to do my Bible study, you know, I started to do in, in, my, in my journal. I just began to outline sermons through the book of Matthew. That's what I did every day as I, as I would, would have my quiet time. I just have a passion to do that. Passion and the people. Do people respond to, to, to that gift? Do you see people, like, say, you know, wow, that, that really lifted me up? Sometimes people will say to me after a message, wow, that, that message was just for me. And it's a nice compliment, and I appreciate it. But here's, here's what I know. It's, it's not me doing it. It's the Holy Spirit who does the speaking because this, the gift is energized by the Spirit. And then the product, is there's always a product. It's fruit. You see fruit when you use your gift. There's a satisfaction that comes with that. There's, there's some supernatural results. Those gifts are recognized really more than discovered. And I can tell you when I leave here tonight, I'm going to go home in my Mazda 3 and I'm going to drive home and I'm going to have a joy, joy that, that, that I was able to exercise, a gift that, that God used in my life. There's, there's just a joy that comes with that. So the reason I'm a hurricane wimp is, is 2004, you know what happened in 2004 in Orlando. Those of you who lived here, uh, the names Charlie and Francis and Jean, very, very familiar to you. Um, Francis and Jean were pretty powerful hurricanes, but Charlie was the one that I, this made me the wimp that I am today. Charlie came through, and we lived in East Orlando, and East Orlando got hit really hard. Uh, when, when, uh, when that hurricane came, I heard trees, pine trees, snapping in half in back of my house. It was that scary of, of a uh, hurricane. We survived. The next day we went out, you know, there was was debris all over. And I I looked up at my roof, one side of my roof, and and, uh, it was stripped down to the plywood for for, uh, just the whole side of the house, just stripped down. The the shingles gone, the tar paper gone, just down to the plywood. And uh, thankfully I had someone to help me repair that quickly, and and we were able to to make sure the further damage wasn't done. But do you know what? The roof stayed on. The roof stayed on, that was a a pretty powerful wind to rip those shingles off, but the roof stayed on. Those hurricane straps, they did their job. They'd been there for years, 12 years, never really been used, that day, that night, really important. This country has gone through some serious storms. We're probably in some serious storms right now. There are a lot of people tearing stuff down Hey, anyone can tear stuff down. I have a two-year-old granddaughter who tears stuff down. But building up, that's what we're called to do. We're called to build up using our gifts. This church has been through storms, serious storms. But it is a refuge, I believe, for all who will come. We need your gift. We need your gift to be exercised and the power of the Spirit. And as we exercise our gifts together, that temple that we're building, that, that, that metaphor of the temple, of the dwelling place of God, will stand no matter what cultural or circumstantial winds that blow. Let's use our gifts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've gifted us. Thank you that you've called us to be men and women who aren't just living individual lives, but we can live lives together. And as we are gifted in specific areas in our lives, I pray that you would, you would help us see what they are and give us opportunity to have those gifts being used. Help us to be faithful men and women, Lord, for your glory and for your honor and for our eternal joy. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.